Dogen has first described the form of sitting upright and then think of not thinking. Not thinking. What kind of thinking is that? Non-thinking. This is the essential art of Zazen. The way this is the simplest form of Zazen because our bodies being still, our bodies, mind being still, allows us to let go of self-centered habits, self-centered reactions, so that we can be this non-dual life that we are. And yet, sometimes we think it's most difficult to sit upright and sit still and be this practice. Even being, noticing thought and experiencing, if we say it in that way, oh, that's so difficult. Actually, it's the easiest to do when we're sitting. And yet, it takes over and over and over and over this noticing the self-centeredness. As Joko says, doing this practice for maybe a year and maybe two years and maybe five years and maybe ten years and maybe a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand times in order to allow this shift from self-centered dualistic way of functioning to the non-dual that is who we are, which is exactly what Dogen is speaking of, exactly what the Buddha is speaking of when he says, not clinging. Exactly what Joko says in many different ways. When she's talking of the shift, it's this shift. This shift from what seems natural, the what we might call self-centeredness or likes, dislikes and all the habits that we seem to assume are the way the world is to how, what our life truly is. Without obstacle, without hindrance, says the sixth ancestor of Zazen. That means non-dual. Obstacles and hindrances are what, oh, I like that, I don't like that, I want to think about that. It's the self-centered way of functioning in the world. And if we're sitting upright, we have the advantage that we don't have all the bodily reactions and habits coming forth. It's allowing us 
to keep giving ourselves away, so to speak, to this experiencing, which is this non-dual moment of life. And yet we want to approach this through figuring out okay, I know what I'm supposed to do, I'll do it a few times and how come nothing has happened? Or, I, maybe I'll notice ten times, but okay, I'm bored with that. Now I want to go back to my ordinary ways of thinking and reacting. See? This is what the whole of our practice is whether it's sitting, which is the easiest form, or whether it's in our daily functioning with others, which is much more difficult. We don't think it is. Oh, we think sitting is really what's hard. Oh, we're doing the hard part. And daily functioning, you know, that's easy. Except how natural we slip into this self-other People don't like when they read somewhere Joko talks about that you have to keep doing this and doing this and doing this and doing this, which means you have to keep, whether you say labeling or noticing thought, labeling over and over. And each labeling is a shift moment to experiencing. But I want to go back and thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow or how great it's going to be when I... or And this isn't a new problem. Dogen talks about... He, he remarks that despite the many dedicated practitioners of Zazen, of Buddhism... Few actually awaken thoroughly because, quote, it's a, this is in uh, Gakudo Yojinshu, one of his texts. It, it, it is extremely difficult to regulate mind. Intelligence is not the primary factor. Learning is not primary. Mind, intellect, Deluded thinking and functioning are not primary. Consciousness, not primary. Thoughts, ideas, and perceptions are not primary. And yet most of us want to privilege those as the primary way we're going to do this. I want to think about it. I want to figure it out. Without employing any of these, I don't know if I would say that, but anyway, without employing any of these or without being stuck and holding on to any of these, one regulates body-mind and by this enters the Buddha-marga, Buddha-practice, Buddha-way, Buddha-awakening, this Buddha-being that we always are. When the two attributes of action and rest are perfectly clear, and are seen as empty, empty of fixedness, of self-centeredness, of permanence, not arising, that means, this is body-mind regulation. So, 
He just spells it out in a slightly different way. This is what we are always being when we do Zazen. When we live the life of Zazen in our other activities. Zazen is the easy time to do this. Then, how do we, in a sense, allow this to come forth so that we notice our reactions when, let me pick, a boss speaks to us in a way that we say, I don't want him to say that. Or a partner, a family member, doesn't do it the way we agreed. Or, and you could add on the oars and expand them in all directions, further or closer. How we get caught up in missing this non-dual that we are. Missing this simple, open life, which is what we call the life of the Buddha, or the awakened life, or compassion life. All sorts of phrases we could use. See? We could talk about unified consciousness of action and rest, which is the phrase that the earlier manuals of Zazen used, Tsung Tse's manual. And Dogen speaks of non-thinking, or giving up thinking, or single-mindedness. Single-mindedness is giving ourselves away to whatever we're doing. Giving away what? The dualistic self-other and the, all the judgments we want to pile on. See? Some, you know, Joko constantly in different ways encourages us in noticing and experiencing. Not once, not twice, but endlessly until and continuing after this shift occurs and then in a sense it naturally comes out of. See, this is, in a sense, you could see it as an echo of the koan that I mentioned earlier without thinking good or bad. What is your original face? This, in a way, there's a nice phrase here that I want to uh, pick up something that is sort of floating around in, um, what should I say, science and um, neuropsych and other research currently in this thinking without thinking or non-thinking or non-dual function. There's something that's called adaptive unconsciousness. Though, once we attempt to use it, it becomes self-centered and it becomes another form of clinging attachment, another fixedness self or other, but 
adaptive unconsciousness, I'll quote a a description of it. This was a phrase developed, used by someone, Daniel Wagner, in 2002. It's, quote, a series of mental processes that affect judgment and decision-making, but are out of the reach of conscious mind. Quote, architecturally, the adaptive unconscious is said to be unreachable because it is buried in an unknown part of the brain. This is neuropsych speak. Um, and supposedly, this thinking evolved earlier than conscious mind, enabling this body-mind to transform information and function in ways to enhance organism survival. Uh, Sometimes it's described as a quick seizing up of the world, um, which interprets information, in other words, interprets all this functioning, and acts, decides how to act outside the conscious view. And yet it's active in everyday functioning, especially learning new material, detecting patterns, and filtering information. So, I don't want to go too much into that, but I wanted to say that there's many ways to talk about this non-dual, this mind that's not so-called inside here as opposed to outside there, not just mind, but whole body mind. In the Shin Shin Ming, which I mentioned yesterday, um, Shin Shin Ming is on believing mind or faith in mind, different ways to translate the Chinese. It's a mm, late 6th century, early 7th, well, might be mid-7th century Chinese text attributed to Saint San. There's a verse, many of you are familiar with it, or some of you are familiar with it. He says, it is a realm beyond thinking, a realm beyond the apprehension of reasoning and emotion, a realm of reality as is. Concepts of self and others vanish. Very interesting translation. A different translation of, remember, that's a translation of the Chinese, so please... um, you know, it, it, it sounds modern in words, but that's English words for a Chinese text of uh, early Tang or even er- prior to the Tang period. Another translation of that very same text, the realm of true suchness, neither self nor other, when direct identification is sought, we only say not to. So this is what Dogen is talking about. This is what Joko is talking about. But more importantly, it's not some abstract things. This is what we are doing as practice. This is what we are doing as Zazen. And Zazen is not just sitting, but it's Zazening in all the various forms of Sashin and all the various forms of life. Of course, if we want to, we can break it up 
um, in ways and logically talk about steps and things like that. Um, and the Zen tradition we do. And sometimes it's important to, so that we can begin to take baby steps, not baby in, in a pejorative sense, but beginning steps, beginning in the sense that doing something other than our usual self-centered habits of me and not me, what I want and what I don't want, what I like and what I don't like, moving from that. So, for instance, Keizan Zenji, who's the fourth generation after Dogen, speaks of three levels of Zazen, or understanding Zazen. The first level is ethical nature of practice, and the middle level, which is the second, he describes as abandoning myriad affairs and halting various involvements, making ongoing effort in concentrating, breathing, or considering, and on until one has gotten clear about the truth. The truth meaning what this life is. And the next level is when the so-called truth is already clear. And there are many ways and many different practices. And many of you are familiar with, we use practice according to where our circumstances are and where where what's called for in terms of our conditions. I want to say a few other things and then I want to throw this open to our discussing it further. If you have questions, if not I have many pages that I could continue, but I don't I want to focus on what's most important and what's most valuable directly for our practice. Though, in one sense, we could say practice is simple. It's labeling and experiencing or noticing and experiencing. And yet we have to use, and it's okay to use, different means. And even though sometimes it seems Dogen is saying, oh, there's just one thing, at the same time, for instance, we know that Dogen's teacher, even though Dogen attributed just sitting to coming from his teacher, yet his teacher, we know, advocated for many contemplation of Mu or practice with Mu. 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 Or Wu. (coughs) Which is a traditional koan practice. Um, And he proposed other forms. And even Dogen himself talks about this in his description of his... He has a description called Hokyoki, which describes his dialogues with his teacher. Though there's questions of its authenticity because it didn't get published till after Dogen's death um, or, or let's say it differently 
the, the earliest manuscript we have is after Dogen's death and there's um, thoughts that this might have might not be Dogen's but in either way it's okay and Dogen's teacher talks about focusing mind sometimes in the palms of the hand when with the hands together um, and various other methods that don't fall into the sectarian differentiating between this is my practice and this isn't my practice um, Dogen in his in a Shobogenzo Daigo, that's another fascicle, he talks about practice as taking up the three realms of Buddhas and ancestors having great awakening, taking up the hundred grasses, taking up the four elements having great awakening, taking up Buddhas and ancestors koan having great awakening. In all cases, taking up great awakening, having great awakening. The moment which they have done this is always our present moment. Present moment. See? That's always the practice we're talking about. That's why in the text he says the Zazen I speak of is not a meditation practice. See? It's not about meditating in order to create a certain state, but rather to be this non-dual that we are. And even Dogen well, talks about picking up mood. Let me just do two comments here about Dogen using that. Dogen says in Gakudo Yojinshu, a monk asked Chaucho, does a dog have Buddha nature? Chao Cho answered, no. Can you gauge this word? No, that's mu. This muji, can you contain it? There's no place at all to grasp its nose. Please try letting it go. Let it go and just look. What about body-mind? What about contact? conduct? What about life and death? What about Dharma of Buddha, Dharma of the world? What about mountains, rivers, great earth, humans, beasts, houses, dwelling? If you keep looking and looking, then the attributes of motion and rest will naturally become clear without arising. Yet, when these attributes do not arise, that doesn't mean that one becomes rigid or fixed. There are many people who fail to realize this and are confused about it. You only attain it when you are still halfway. Even when you are all the way, please do not stop. Press on. Press on. This is Dogen's comment on Mu. I will stop here, but essentially this is 
all an encouragement of our practice. And our practice is not about a meditation in order to get somewhere else, but as Dogen said, the Dharma gate of joyful ease, the practice realization of totally culminated enlightenment, or totally culminated non-dual life that we are from the very beginning. We've never been anywhere else. Never, though we insist we are. That's why he can start this text. The way is originally perfect and all-pervading. See, how could it be contingent? This is who we are. This is what practices, if we use that kind of word. Okay. I will stop at this point. And maybe you have some comments or questions or something you want to say further. If not, don't worry. I don't lack (laughs) where to go first. So, yes. Yes. Um, What was that business about dying, sitting, or standing up? Um, That's just one of the, uh, what should I say? Um, in, In the Zen and Buddhist tradition, often people who are Um, let us say, accomplished, accomplished Zen master or head of a monastery would sometimes say, you know, stand up or get into a sitting position as they were ready to die and then just continue to sit and die sitting up. And that was often attributed to the power of their practice. They often knew they were going to die and they would sometimes might do a poem, might say something and then just sit up. Pause there. So let's just remember he's talking within a tradition where in which that is a fairly off-noted um, event for, through the centuries in China and in other places. Don't worry about it. Oh. Don't go looking for it. It, it reminds me of... Uh, it reminds me of... I'm, I'm so. Yes. It reminds me of the monks, uh, you know, who set themselves on, on fire. Yes. And that's a more extreme version of it because it wasn't just a matter of setting themselves on fire. They sat zazen and it's and continued to sit as they were burning. And that was their effort, their practice, their um, skillful means to get attention to the killing that was going on and it was also an attribute of their years of practice that enabled that to be it's not a simple thing to do
But we don't have to go there. I mean, in the sense that we, for us, it's enough to be able to sit there and have someone criticize us and not react right away. Or have someone not serve, serve us the food in the way we want. Or make a mistake that we went through with them and, and made sure we got the instructions all right. And then what shows up isn't what's supposed to be. And not to react with anger, rage, or frustration, or whatever. Or at least to notice when we start doing that. That's enough. We don't have to worry about dying and other... Somewhere Dogen talks about not needing super normal powers. Somewhere in the Fukanza Zengi. Don't worry about such things. We don't have to deal with that. Dogen talks about what? (laughs) (laughs) Supernatural Supernatural powers. powers. There was something about it. I heard it as soup. (laughs) <laughs> that's my, my New York accent comes through <laughs> yes uh, you know, the, the part I forget that the first paragraph or the second paragraph about likes and dislikes you know uh-huh. and uh, leading to confusion and uh-huh. consternation and all stuff well I, I can pretty much see how you know not liking or disliking or not having what you want come up as you want it. Uh-huh. What about when light, is that such much more subtle? Or, or, sure. Uh, and, and, uh, much more seductive. Seductive, yeah. How does that lead to all kinds of... Well, I don't know. You have to look for yourself. How does that... <laughs> See, there isn't, there isn't the formula because it's always in the particular of our own practice life and our own, if I say it, habits. If I use a fancy word, I could say samskara, your karmic habits and tendencies. We don't need... Just, we each have our own practice life that grows out of the life that we are, the forces that come forth as as you. So, how you are with that isn't how someone else is. Therefore, you have to do your practice there. Someone could give you general guidelines, but you have to do it over and over and over each time, moment, when there's an opportunity. And life somehow presents us lots of opportunities to see where likes and dislikes entangle us or where we get entangled because the circumstances of our life. And even if we try to arrange our life in a certain way so that it all goes the way we want, and if we have the power to or the wealth to, it still doesn't work. And even if it does work, that doesn't work. So one has to be more careful or really about when when things go the way we want them? No, just be present. Don't worry about being careful or not careful. Just be present. Be zazeni. That's what it is. Be carried away by our likes? Well, if you get carried away, float down the stream and be carried away. And then when you discover what's going on, see what's called for. Can't plan it all out in advance and can't set up a strategy and get the world to fit into that strategy. Though we try. 
You know, you can get you can get the plans for yourself. You could make sure you have all the weather forecasts and road forecasts and everything else. And then it goes the way it goes. Well, just as a as a kind of a mundane kind of example, rather <laughs> than experience, you know, there's a like when I play golf. You know, yes. And I and I do a flub a dubber in the in the thing just you know that's like a, at least a, a double bogey for me. Well, you have to explain that for us non-golfers. <laughs> I don't know what a flub a dubber oh, or a double when, bogey is. When I top the ball and it just goes 20 yards, you know, oh, and it's, I'm still in the rough. And uh, which is the high grass, and so that's really quite upsetting, you know. And that one stroke of, of the, I could that ruins my almost my whole day sometimes, you know. Oh, and, I have a suggestion. Wait, wait, wait! wait I'm not. <laughs> wait, wait! Let me give you a suggestion. Every one of those twenty feet, you should do a bow, a bow, and then another bow, and so that because you're you have such an opportunity with that rough grass and that. 20 feet of the flub-a-dub. <laughs> 20 yards. 20 yards, excuse me. Sometimes the 20 feet. <laughs> but, but then when I hit it really well, even from the rough, you know, uh-huh. I just hit the ball just perfect and it sailed, you know, yes. you know, 150 yards. That Even that makes me feel good at the moment, but then that doesn't last for very long. You know? <laughs> so I have to carry that one. Even though when I read in these books about golf, you know, try to go back to those good feelings and yeah. you know, know that you can do it, you know, but still it doesn't quite you know, work. I mean, it doesn't last. Yeah. It's like you buy the banana. The one always lasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's well, not that it lasts. It's work. that we keep bringing it up. And it's almost like the one that you really like, then you won't either have to keep bringing it up, to make, or you have to go looking for the next good one, because you're caught in self-centered looking for outside our life at this moment, this moment. See, it's always this step, this moment. It's not getting to the good one and then, okay, that's it. I've taken care of, you know, I had the perfect shot and I have to keep, you know, I sort of have to keep a, get a selfie of it and then keep looking at it and showing it to everyone else to keep reminding myself how, because otherwise, I just have to be this ordinary moment life, which is the whole universe. Perfect. This whole non-dual universe that is our life, that's beyond our imaginings. And we keep trying to fit into, getting it to fit into our intellectual, that's what Dogen was saying, that's what Joko says, that's the whole caught in self-centered dream. We try to fit the universe into our self-centered dream. And... What happens? Somehow the universe doesn't want to fit in there. Even though it's always there. See, the universe is always in, includes our self-centered dream coming and going. But we want to stick it in there and exclude everything that doesn't fit. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Or it only works with suffering and pain. So, 
I just use golf as an example. Yeah. But there's other stuff that's much more, you know, like serious. Yeah. Well, that's a nice thing about golf. Because it's no big deal. Except for those <laughs> people. <laughs> except <laughs> for the... Except for those who, to whom it's a big deal. But in the sense, there, there's this game where you're, you're hitting the ball great and you win it or you lose it or you know, you, 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 you're under par or over par and then... But you can't play golf unless you're involved in it. No, no, you could be perfectly involved in the game, but if afterwards you hold on to that as how good or bad you are in your life is, then that's caught in self-centered dream. That's exactly what we referred to when we referred to the practice principles. That's creating suffering. That's clinging that the Buddha was talking about. Exactly what the Buddha was saying. I mean, I could, I'll quote it again, where the Buddha is saying to Moggallana about practice. How, in terms, how can practice be briefly ex- explained, he says? Liberated by the elimination of clinging. So, you could enjoy winning the, the game, you couldn't be sad about losing the game, but if you cling to that story, then then you, you're unable to face the impermanence, the ongoing changing that is life, of, that is feelings, ongoing changing that is circumstance. Then, instead of being dispassionate, you're passionate about it, and you're upset, and you do things that create more trouble. And then you create dreams. Well, if I get the right driver, driver's right, the right word, right for the club, If I get the right club, and maybe different balls, and maybe a different who knows what. Now, it's fine. Do all those. Try it. Great. It's great fun. It's enjoyable. Life is to enjoy. Enjoy it. But, if you create trouble for yourself and others about it, if you bankrupt your family in buying the latest and the greatest... I don't play golf, so, you know, maybe I should... It's easy for me to say. But, but, you know, for instance, I I can say I I like books. I like um, especially, you know, whether it's Buddhist texts or certain other... I I like to read books. Um, I have new rules in my house. I don't always follow them, that if if I want to get new books, I have to get rid of the old <coughs> books because that, it's full, you know. <laughs> so sometimes I can get temporary books from the library and I keep them in a separate space and then return them. So that's okay. <laughs> and fortunately now there's this thing known as Kindle and Amazon and computer, PDF. So, you know, all of a sudden space is not yeah. an issue. <laughs> That can again become, can you be free? Now, of course, all, all, the whole of the, the Buddhist Tripitaka is, is on computer, uh, on the internet, and you can read anything you want. And if I want to read Jewish texts, almost all Jewish texts are, are on the internet also, and they're all free. They're freely available. You just need to have internet access and some, you know, 
virtual device. And I have library access to endless books, almost anything, and I just put in a reserve and I get it. So, but still, I, you could find where all of a sudden, I have to have that. I have to have that now. I can't wait. See? All sorts of self-addictions, which is no problem. You could have what you want. You could, you could want vanilla. You could want chocolate. You could want strawberry. Ice cream, yogurt, whatever. But then what, it, what you get at this moment is yours to fully respond to and live, whether it's so-called get in terms of the conditions of your life or in terms of things, in terms of events with people or other. See, life is ongoing changing. And it's always being just this moment. That's our opportunity to manifest this compassion that is our life. And this moment is always changing. Always changing. Some of them, quote, we like, and some of them, quote, we don't like. Some of them we never expected, and some of them aren't going the way we expected. Let's see. Yeah. So in uh, that kind of stuff that you're just talking about, yes, investigating you know words and chasing phrases, I, I do that, you know, and I and I have these concepts and I got them down, uh-huh. and still I you know I, I find myself you know being thrown about. Yeah. Well, that that's what Dogen says. I, just because I think I, I know that when I don't, I don't really uh, have yeah. the visceral experience of. Well, that's why our practice is with our life as our life. It's not about memorizing a set of phrases. You could read wonderful texts, but if you don't chew them up and make them your own life practice, then they're just texts. And then when push comes to shove, which is what practice is about, is about the push that comes to shove that's called our life. Not particularly good or bad, it's just ongoing changing, which we react to in self-centered ways about self and other, not liking, don't like, want or don't want, should or shouldn't, and so on and so forth. If we use those categories, which are habitually accurate as far as we're concerned, we think those are the ways the universe is. And it seems natural to us. That's the way we've been brought up in all sorts of ways. That's why practice is keeping on noticing that until there's that shift out of that dualistic, if we use that word, out of that self-centeredness. You can't force it, because then it's more you doing. (laughs) And it doesn't work. It might work a little in some areas, but it doesn't work for long. So, words are great, but let them support and nurture you in your practice. But practice isn't about memorizing words. That what not that what we just what I just read from Dogen? What I don't remember what I could go back to it. But he said it's not a matter of intellect. It's not a matter of words. It's not a matter of that.
He's saying that in order to encourage and remind us. And it's very simple. It's just this body-mind, if we say it in such elaborate terms. It's just your life. It's being this moment, doing what you're doing wholeheartedly, if we say it that way. Or giving yourself away to what you're doing. Or we could use words forgetting self. But then again, those words become, what does that mean? So it's very simple. You don't need to do anything ordinary. That's why I said Zazen is the most easy way to do it. It's more difficult every other form of being. Because every other form of being, there's more potential for self-centeredness to come up. It doesn't matter. We have to live. You can't. You don't live just sitting. So, great. But in a sense, it's a matter of continuing this beingness of what we are doing as we're sitting in the rest of the forms of our life and doing it whatever is called for over and over. Over and over meaning time and again and again. Despite the fact that, well, I did it ten times. Okay, I labeled ten times. How come that still keeps coming up? I labeled a hundred times. You label till you notice until you shift, until it shifts of itself. I mean, there's not much we can do to make it shift. Oh, you could try all (laughs) sorts of things, and and you get a little, and then you have, often there's, what should I say, negative blowback? Because then you think, oh, well, I've got it now. I know how to do it. I'm more powerful, and I'm better than all these others. I mean, I... And, you know, there are times when we need that kind of effort, and there's times when it just blows back into another form of self-centeredness and ego um, manipulativeness, if I'll use that word. But please don't get caught in any of the words that I say, because I'm not trying to use them judgmentally in the sense of saying, this is good, this is bad. Well, it's hard for, you know, for me to, to make that distinction sometimes. Well... That's just notice it when you do it, when it gets done. Because it's really, we like to say, I'm doing it. But really it's a habit that's almost out of our control, except that we identify with the habit. So it's the level of consciousness where we identify with the habit, and then we say, and we say I'm doing it, I can't help doing it. But really it's a habit that, in sense, engenders the I that, that does the, that grabs onto the habit, and it's the engendered I as opposed to the habit. That's the real. That's why we say self-caught and self-centered and holding to self. Everyone is satisfied. Oh, it's okay. I remember Joko in her book, the last one that we were working on. Nothing special. Nothing special. That every moment that's non-dual, when you, especially when you're sitting zazen, changes your life. Yeah. 
Well, in a sense, I won't even say changes. It, what it does is it reveals your life as it is. And therefore, it um, nurtures and, and um, um, uh, nurtures and, and gives momentum to, to that way of being as your life. And that allows you to see through and let go of habits that go in the self-centered way. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sorry, did you say after you dualistic or non-dualistic? But you didn't hear me? I, I didn't hear the... She said every uh, non-dualistic. Non- yeah. And see, non-dualistic is where we always are, yeah. except when we're not. Yeah, it's the nature of, of who we are when we're not caught up. See, it's not something extra. That's why the way is originally perfect and all-pervading. That's who we always are. And yet, we overlay it so habitually and quickly with self-centered ways of functioning. Not out of maliciousness, but out of strong karmic habits, if I use that kind of word. We could just say strong habits, strong body-mind habits. They don't have to say what the hab- where they come from or any such thing, except it's sometimes useful to uh, point out that it's beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance that's no blame involved, it, because it's beginningless. It's not something that's yours, except as you glom onto it and say it's yours. Then it's yours. That's why we can do atonement at one minute. Okay, thank you.